Good morning, Grace City Church. Thank you. Front row on the left. <laughs> That's good. Uh, it's good to, good to see you this morning. Hey, my name's, uh, my name's Matt, if we've not yet met. If this is your first time, um, thanks so much for coming. It's great to have uh, some people whose faces I don't recognize. Welcome. Um, please stick around afterwards. There's cake, there's coffee, there's probably still 300 more chocolate balls to, to eat, so that's good. Um, we have been, if, if you've, uh, you're just joining us, we've been in the book of Mark uh, in the Bible for some time now, so if you do have a Bible, turn to Mark chapter 6, or you've got a phone or an iPad, turn to Mark chapter 6. I've actually asked Natasha just to come and read for us um, from Mark chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to appear on the screen behind me. So I'm reading uh, Mark chapter 6, 45 to the end. And I'll start. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored, that, and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment, and as many as touched it were made well. Thanks, Natasha. I have to say, I, I, I love stories like this. I really do. I find them so encouraging. I find they do me a whole lot of good, honestly, because um, let me tell you why. The disciples here, it's clear after all this time, after all, all that the disciples have seen, they still do not get it. They're still, they, they still don't get it. They don't see who Jesus is. They don't comprehend who Jesus is. I mean, after all they've seen, I mean, if we were just to tell the story of Mark from the beginning to now, and this might serve as a recap, in fact, for anyone just joining us um, from the book of Mark, um, just tell the story from the perspective of the, of the disciples. We, we see how incredible it is that they still don't know. I mean, you just think about you know, Mark chapter 1, when Jesus calls the disciples, and he says to you know, Peter, James, and John, those guys, come and follow me, and they do. And you can imagine that Peter, James, and John, and the other disciples kind of um, just observing Jesus, saying, I'm going to see if I can work out who this Jesus is. Who is he? Let's see what he's doing. Oh, I see. Look, Jesus, he's getting up and he's teaching and he's preaching with real authority. I mean, there's something about him. When he talks, when he speaks, it just captures people's attention. He has wisdom. He, he knows things, insight about God. It's incredible. Oh, so, so Jesus must be a teacher, like a, a rabbi, someone like that. 
But hang on a second, what, what is Jesus doing now? Now he's going over there, and he's going up to someone who has an unclean spirit and speaking to them with authority and saying, leave, and the spirit does. Okay, well, okay, disciples, I guess who this, who this Jesus is. It's not just a teacher, not just a rabbi, but, um, but also an exorcist with power over the spiritual. Okay, but hang on, look, now, now Jesus is over there. Now he's speaking to someone, speaking to sickness and commanding sickness to leave. And now someone who, who, who could not walk is now walking. Someone who couldn't see is now seeing. Someone who couldn't hear is now... Okay, so G- Jesus is not just uh, a teacher, not just an exorcist, not just... No, he's also a healer. In fact, such a healer of such a power. We read in this story that it, it just takes someone reaching out, just a brushing against the, the hem of the robes that he, Jesus is wearing for great healing power to be released. Wow, okay, this, he must be a healer as well. But hang on, because Jesus then starts to do things that kind of just defy any category that humans have. I mean, he starts to, I mean, he takes some bread and some fish and just, multiplies it and feeds thousands with it such that the baskets that they get back at the end of the leftovers is more than they started off with. Oh, Jesus in a boat stands up, speaks to a storm with authority, and the storm just immediately silences. I mean, incredible authority even over the laws of nature. Or, Or Jesus here walking on water, just casually defying the laws of physics. Just, I mean... Who is this Jesus? People don't know. The disciples don't know. In fact, we read at the beginning of Mark chapter 6 that people are trying to work this out. And they're trying, the best guess, it seems, that people have is, oh, this Jesus, he's, uh, he's the, you know, that really powerful prophet from the Old Testament. It's Elijah. He's back again. He's back for round two. Maybe that's who Jesus is. But in this story, we see the disciples still don't get it. It's, Mark says the disciples were astounded. Not knowing, not understanding, not comprehending who Jesus is. And I think as, as Christians, there, there are two ways we can respond to the story. Okay, two ways. First way is to go, oh, come on, disciples. Seriously, you've seen him calm storms. You've seen him heal the sick. You've seen him cast out. Don't you know who Jesus is? How can you not know? Are you so slow to understand that you can't figure it out? Ah, oh, come on. That's one way. To, to, to respond to the story, feel free, feel free. Um, but the other way to respond to the story is to look at the disciples and go, goodness, I am so like them. I am so, I do the same thing. I, I so often lose sight of who Jesus is. I lose sight that, that God is so powerful and that he's here. I, I can be such like, so much like the disciples. I have these moments where I'm just not aware that God is for me, that he is mighty for me, powerful for me. That's the state the disciples are in in the boat. They lose sight of who Jesus is. And it's the state I can so often, if I'm, if I'm honest, just the state that I can so often be in. So let me tell you, I just want to be honest this morning, okay? So this, this happened in December last year. Okay, so I'm not, I'm not Canadian, um, uh, surprising, I know, I'm, I'm not Canadian, I'm from England. So I'm, I'm here on a temporary visa, uh, which essentially means that in February last next year, uh, the Canadian government was essentially, just, okay, Matt, we've, we've had quite enough of you. Please go, please go back to, uh, to England. And so um, I'm, just because I love Canada, I love Ottawa, I love, what God, I love all of you. I love what God is doing here amongst us. It, it's really remarkable. I just love Grace City Church. And so from, from almost the pretty much the first moment I got into Canada, I've been working out, okay, how can I stay long term? How can I stay longer? Because I don't want to miss out on whatever God is 
so much that God is doing here. And so I, I had like a, a visa plan. I had this plan. I'm going to go for this specific kind of visa. And that's how I'm going to be able to, to stay long term because this is a big deal um, for me. And I just in December last year, I read something just on the internet about the visa that I had missed before. Just a piece of information that I had just for some reason never seen. And it was this, that this particular visa that would guarantee the fact that, you know, that I can stay in this country, there were only 50 of them. That's how many your government gave of this particular <laughs> visa. 50, five, five zero. And I looked at that and I saw that very small number. And knowing, knowing just that literally t- around the world, tens of thousands of people would be gunning for those visas. And I just went, oh, no. Oh, dear. Oh, this does not look good. This is, this is awful. I mean, how is this going to work? What are the statistical probabilities? I just, oh, I've got to figure something out. I've got to, I've got to, I, so I, I just remember on this Saturday, I just started going, okay, I've got to figure something out and start Googling, looking up different visas, getting phone numbers, writing them down of different immigration agencies and just, oh, what am I going to do? This is really awful. And then about two, it took me about two hours before I just kind of, just kind of at this moment where I stopped and just thought, what? What, what am I doing? Why am I running around like a headless chicken? What is, and, and, just, and honestly, it can only really be described as panicking. Oh no, what am I going to do? In that moment, I had temporarily forgotten the powerfulness of God. That it was God who called me here to Canada, and either he is going to give me a visa to stay, or he's not. Either way, it's his problem. It's him who's got to do that, not me. Why am I losing my mind over this? And in that moment, what got exposed was my unbelief. All it took was to see 50 on a computer screen, and my unbelief was exposed. Maybe you can relate, Christians, to those sorts of moments. Maybe. I don't know. It's the same thing we see in the disciples on the lake. You know, the wind gets fierce. They get scared. They don't see. They lose sight of who Jesus is. And in fact, the reason they get scared is they think Jesus is a ghost. Oh, no. The ghost of the lake has come to get us. Just forgetting that Jesus has been casting out demons all over the place. They just forget that. And they get scared. And the problem here, they don't see who Jesus is. They forget who Jesus is. The problem, we've got to know this. We've got to see this. The problem is not an intellectual problem. It's not that they haven't had things explained to them clearly. It's not that they haven't read the right books or, or listened carefully or, or done the mental hard work of figuring out, okay, who this is. It's not that. In fact, it, when we read what we've read this morning in Mark, there's a key verse that, if we read carefully, it shows where the real problem for the disciples lies. It says this, And they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. The issue here is that of a hard heart. You know, they'd seen a lot. They'd seen the loaves get multiplied for thousands of people, but they still didn't understand. They had a hard heart. And by that, I mean, the Bible means that there's the inward state of the disciples is resistant to the goodness of God, resistant to the knowledge of who Jesus is, resistant to his goodness, right? 
And, and let me just be clear, this isn't like a conscious decision, right? None of us wake up in the morning and go to ourselves, well, you know what I'm going to do? You know what my Tuesday morning's going to evolve? I'm going to become resistant to the goodness of God. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to become inwardly cold towards who Jesus is. None of us, none of us say that, but it just happens. It just happens. We're, we're broken people. We're all a bit of a mess. It just occurs. We harden our own hearts. And so the reason I love this story is that the disciples so often, in moments like this, they remind me of me more than anything else. And listen, I know I'm living on the other side of the death and resurrection of Jesus, right? The, 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 the disciples haven't yet seen Jesus be crucified and then appear again after death to them. I love this story, though, because I find it so encouraging because Jesus' response to them is not maybe what my response would have been. It's not like Jesus is standing on the water going, seriously, guys, I, don't you know this? I, I've had it with you. I'm walking home. No, he doesn't, he doesn't say that. Oh, he doesn't get in the boat and just explode with rage and say, why? Why haven't you got it yet? Haven't you seen enough? Haven't I done enough miracles for you to figure this out? I'm, you are so slow. Why do you, are you riddled with unbelief? No, he doesn't explode in rage like that at all. He is kind. He is gentle to the disciples. Grace City Church, Jesus is kind and gentle towards you. He knows what you're like. He knows what you're made of. He knows who you are. Like, like Rich was saying last week, Jesus looks at his disciples and knows they're like sheep without a shepherd. And he wants to lead them. He wants to walk with them. Maybe you've had times in recent months as I have, or in recent weeks, in re- recent uh, days where you found yourself as well to just panicking and anxious or striving in your own strength to attain something or, I don't know, just wrestling with disappointment or what, whatever it is. Maybe, you know, those moments, how we respond to those moments, it re- reveals that there can be hardness of heart that can, that can take root, resistance, because our hearts can be so resistant sometimes to trust in wholeheartedly in God alone. You know, it, it, if we're honest... If, if we're honest, those moments reveal that sometimes for Christians in the room, there can be a gap between what, what we say and how we feel and believe deep, deep down, you know? You know, because we can say with our mouths, oh yes, God is, God is mighty and powerful and he's with me and he's working things for me. God is everything I need. We can say that, but then when, when the wind rises and when things get tough and life gets hard and how we respond, our actions can show the depths to which we truly believe that in, to be true in every circumstance. We can say with our mouths, yes, oh yeah, God, God is everything I need. But when we inspect our actions, there's a gap there and we we might self-medicate you know what i mean by that self-medicate as in uh, oh yes god is everything i need but then oh things get hard and i'm gonna not in this area in this area i'm gonna go for something else for what i feel i need you know let me let me tell you this story this happened a few years ago back when i was in england and um, I was getting a lift somewhere because that that was so often my need my need and honestly it it is still, still often my need. Um, if you know me, you probably give me a lift somewhere. That's how, that's how that works. And so I'm, I'm being given a lift somewhere by, by a friend of mine to some church thing. I can't even remember what this church thing was, but we, I had this conversation with her because she was, um, she'd just bought this brand new car that we were driving in, and it was a very fancy car, probably a very expensive car. 
And I just had this conversation. She was describing what it was like to drive. And, and then she just kind of went on this tangent. Just, I said, oh, hang on, are we still talking about the same thing? And she just started to talk about how disappointed she was with God. Just really, just the heartbreak. I mean, she, she was someone who, she was saying, I'm in my mid-30s. Uh, and I'm, I'm single, and all I've ever wanted, all I've ever wanted was to get married and have a family. And I just feel like, I just feel like God has let me down, and it hurts. And then she said something, and I just remember this one, word, word for word, because it was the moment of just such clarity uh, and, and remarkable honesty, actually, and she just kind of realized what she had done in that moment. And she said, God hasn't given me what I wanted, so I've bought this car. God hasn't given me what I wanted, so I bought this car. The car has made me feel better. I felt a lack. And rather than running to God, because God is... Listen, if you had met this person on a Sunday morning in church, or you'd even caught them in the middle of the week and said, is God all you need? And she was, yes, God is everything I need. But in this moment, she realized, ah, in this specific instance, I didn't believe that. And I went and bought a car, and it made me feel better in a temporary way. I self-medicated, but... I missed an opportunity. It's as if she felt, I missed an opportunity to, to discover that God is very, very good and very, very near and very, very powerful and very, very present amidst serious disappointment, amidst broken dreams. I missed an opportunity to discover how good God was in that moment. We all have, we all have that ability, don't we? To, to self-medicate, to get what we need from some earthly source. But it doesn't, it doesn't do anything long-term. It's, it's very, very temporary. It's like a, a Band-Aid solution. You've got a big laceration. It's deep. It's serious. And just go, put a Band-Aid on. Sword. No, it, sure, it hides the problem for a bit, maybe, but it doesn't deal with what's really going on. You know, maybe it's not for you. It's not one of those classic ways. Maybe it's not just buying a brand-new car to feel better. Maybe it's not, you know, one of those sorts of ways of comfort eating, but... Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's in your, in your thought life. It's completely invisible. Like no one can see. But when it's just you and there's no one else after your attention or your time, when there's no one else around, where do you go to in your mind to feel, okay, what do you imagine? What do you, what do you daydream about? That can show, that can often reveal where we go or where we would like to go for comfort. See, when I... When I see that in my own life, when I see that in my own heart, I, I know what's going on there. It's nothing fancy. It's just a simple unbelief in God. It's just simple, straightforward not distrust in who God is, that he is everything that he said he would be to us. It's as if some secret compartment in our heart that we keep away just grows hard. And I know by talking about this, by the way, by, by prodding at these sorts of things, I, I know, I'm fully aware, I'm prodding at the things that for many of us would be the most painful things. Because those, those things that you think, I can't, I can't even trust God with, with this is too precious. I know, I, I'm, I'm, I know what I'm prodding, the stuff that is most sensitive for people in the room. And I, I know I'm also saying this, please, if it's not completely clear, I'm, I'm saying this as someone who's still working this out, right? I, I have not got this, I'm not standing here going, yes, I've got this sorted, 
Trust God with one. I just told a story about my visa. Do you not remember that? <laughs> no, listen, honestly, there's nothing like having to preach on trusting God with everything, with your body and soul and mind and heart and strength. Um, there's nothing like doing that to produce some <laughs> serious repentance. So this has been my last two weeks. And now it's your turn, is what, I, <laughs> is what I'm saying. Um, see, the, the answer to this, what's the answer to this? The answer is to see who Jesus is, to see him again and again for who he is, to see him afresh. We need to hear him say to us those words that he says to Jesus when he walks to them on the lake. Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. These are, these are key words from Jesus to us. And by the time they make it to our English Bibles, the, the significance of them is, is, is largely lost. He's not, Jesus here is not merely saying, don't worry, disciples, it's me, I'm not a ghost. He's not just saying, don't worry, it's me. Literally in the Greek, he is saying, take heart, I am. Take heart, I am. Am. I am. This is the, the most holy name of God. You know, in the Old Testament, you go back and, and when Moses is there before, and, he, and he's quaking, he's on his face before the burning bush, and he dares to ask God, the living, almighty God who created the heavens and the earth, just speaks, and universes come into existence. He dares to ask this God what his name is, and God responds, I am. I am. Jesus here comes to the disciples and says, I am. This is who Jesus is saying that he is to the disciples. I am God. Do not fear because the, don't, don't worry. The, the king of heaven and earth is here. It's the same thing that, that Jesus says to the disciples in, in the book of John where he, he, when he says, before Abraham was born, I am. There's only one thing that he can be saying here, because otherwise it doesn't make sense. Before Abraham was born, I am. Like, that just just doesn't make sense, unless Jesus is saying, I am God. Come as man. This is who I am. I'm not just a good teacher. I'm not just someone who can do some magical tricks or or, uh, is an exorcist. No, I am God. I have all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. This is who I am. Jesus wants his... His disciples to know, and listen, if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, he wants you to know the eternal one is with you. The one by whom, the one for whom the universe was created has not left you alone. He's not far off. Why fear when this God is present and with us? You know, our, our view of God can be so small. It can be so human, can't it? Oh, God is just like me. He's just another human. He can let me down. He can, no. We restrict God. We restrict what he can do. We end up thinking, like, I end up thinking, oh, God can't wholly satisfy me. Not in every area. Or maybe it's not that. Maybe it's, oh, God can't do that person. That person over there, they, they can't be saved. They're too far away from God. No. God, God is powerful we we don't ask for the see the holy it's the holy spirit who who helps us with this the holy spirit what what i see in in the bible is the holy spirit who dwells within us his main job his main thing that he does i see in the bible is to reveal our savior to us to reveal jesus in fact if you've seen anything of jesus if you know anything about who he is it's the holy spirit who has revealed that to you 
It's the Holy Spirit who empowers us to live lives that are actually unnatural, supernatural, in, in just the, the, the way, the extent that we are able to increasingly trust our lives, everything, to God. It's the Holy Spirit who empowers us, who, who helps us to say, to pray, as the psalmist prays in Psalm 73, and he prays, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. So I'm going to remind you, Christians in the room, even if you've heard this 10,000, 10 million times before, God is good towards you. He is close to you this morning. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He's the one seated on the throne and he is with you. He's here amongst us by his Holy Spirit this morning. We need to remind, we desperately need to remind one another about this, okay? Grace City Church. This is something that the church does for one another. It's what we do here on a Sunday morning. It ought to be part, it's not like coming to church is not like going to the cinema and you go in and you get your, your ticket and you go in and you sit down at the end, you get up and you leave with no interaction with anyone else. No, this, the, the church is a place where we encourage one another. Where, where I say to you, remind you of the gospel and Jesus and then you do it to me as well because I need to hear that as well. Clearly, I do. We must do this. This is what life groups are for. It's, it's how we, we support and love one another and say, don't lose sight of who Jesus is. Don't do it. Let me give you an example of that, of, of the church in action. You know, I think earlier last year, probably in the summer, um, I think Rich and I were going, having a, taking a trip somewhere really holy, you know, Costco. Costco. It was Costco, wasn't it? Um, and, and we were on the way. He was giving me a lift. That's right. Uh, giving me a lift uh, back home. And um, I, we were just talking about visas and the various options. And the one I was hoping to go for, I didn't know it was 50. Anyway, um, just talking and talking about how hard it is, how difficult the, the visa thing is. And I just I remember just before getting out, um, Rich, if you don't know Rich, Rich is an encouraging guy. Like, Rich's main thing is, like, encouraging. He just wants to encourage people. And so he wanted to encourage me in that moment with the, the visa thing. And just before I got out of the car... Um, Rich looked me in the eye and uh, he said, Matt, and he said some words that just so poignant, just so, just full of truth. I've never heard this truth put in such a, just an impactful way. Like it was just remarkable. He said, Matt, God does has you. God does has you. You know what? God does has me. That might be a grammatical atrocity, but God does has me. And Christians in the room, God does has you too. He does has you. Feel free right now just to stick that on Facebook. Just tweet that out. Maybe get a picture of an inspirational sunset. Right? God does has you. Post it on Instagram. But do not forget to attribute it to Rich Cosby. God does has you. See, I, I'm joking. Honestly, that, has, that actually in the moment meant a lot, and I haven't forgotten that. Not just because of... But no, seriously, it did me a lot of good, and he's done that many more other times towards me. It just We need to remind one another of the mightiness of our Savior. Because this is why God has designed the church in the way that he has, because he knows that we so often just lose sight, lose heart. Really, he wants us by the Spirit to look at Jesus and to take heart and to realize I've got nothing to fear because that is who Jesus is. If you're not a follower of Jesus here this morning, um, just about everything I've been saying, 
really. I know I've been talking mainly to the Christian. Almost everything I've been saying about the, the reason that we have to, to take heart and, and to not fear. Um, I, I'm just going to be blunt. Um, this, is, this is really only true of the person who has given their life to Jesus, who has said, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to give you my heart completely. I'm going to give it to you imperfectly, but I'm going to give it to you completely. It's only true of that person. In fact, if you're here this, mor- this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm, I'm going to put it really bluntly. I, I would say you do have reason to fear. Jesus, Jesus says, Don't, do not fear the person who can just kill you. Fear instead the one who can throw both body and soul into hell. That's what Jesus says. And so what I would say, but don't worry, don't worry because today is not the day of judgment. Today is the day of salvation. That day is hopefully a long way in the, in the future and there's a chance for you to come freely to this Jesus this morning. To give your life to him for he has died for you to be able to do that. To approach him and say, I, I give you my life. I give you my heart. I, I want forgiveness for everything. All of my imperfections, all of my failings come dwell within me. And he will. And you will hear him say to you, take heart. Do not fear. It is I. I am. I will live in you and I will change you and I will make you new. In fact, the heart of, which is a heart of stone that you have, I will take that out and I will put a, a, heart, a, 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 fle- a heart of flesh in you. I'll take a heart of my spirit, a new heart. I will make you entirely new. Please don't let anything stop you from receiving that today. If you've never done that and you're thinking, oh, I want that. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to find me after the service, and I want to say, oh, would you pray for me? Because I would love to pray with you and, and tell you more about this Jesus. So we're going to stand. We're going to sing. Uh, Maria and Holly are going to come back up and join us again. Um, yeah, Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much that you're the God who is near, and you are the God who is powerful. You are the God who is present. You are the God who is mighty. Thank you that you are here right now and that you're... Your heart for us is that we would know the shepherd, that the sheep would know the shepherd's voice, that we would be encouraged this morning. Lord, that again, we would give our hearts to you and just say, God, would you have it? Would you have the mess? Would you have the good things and the bad things? Would you just take up even a greater, just greater residence in my life, Lord, that there wouldn't be any secret compartments of my heart that are hard or resistant or cold towards you? Because Jesus, there is no one like you. There's no one as beautiful as you are. There's no one who is as good and kind and gentle as you. So Holy Spirit, as we continue our service and sing to you, Holy Spirit, I just ask for anyone who is, I don't know, dealing with disappointment or discouragement or with their, 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 all they have this morning might be just shattered dreams. Lord, would you encourage them? Would you be so near that they would feel, oh, my God is for me, and that they would take heart, not fear, because you are the great I am. Thank you, Lord.